Hi, welcome to Pod of Mercy. I am your host, Long Hair Linda, and today's special guest co-host is... Hi, I'm Nathan. How are you all? Hey, hi Nathan. How are you doing? Not too bad. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm, I'm super excited to do this episode. Um, so today we're doing something a little bit differently. I hope that it will turn into a series of things that we do on Pod of Mercy um, because I watch a lot of TV shows um, especially with the pandemic but honestly even before Covid I watched a lot of TV what about you Nathan? Oh god same like streaming services were like a lifesaver before like the whole of 2020 like it was so something true. to do in the evenings. I know. Yeah, so true. So even before COVID, I was just like all about TV shows. Um, And so I thought it would be good to talk about some of the things that we're watching. Um, So today, as you can tell from the title, if you are listening to this, um, we are going to be talking about Mr. Robot, season one of Mr. Robot. Um, Bit of background. I started watching Mr. Robot years ago. And I kind of fell off um, and I couldn't really remember what happened in season one. So I figured let's just start from the beginning. Nathan, I know you're a fan of this show as well. Yes. So we're just going to talk. The regular segments of Pot of Mercy are suspended for this episode just because we want to get straight into it and chat about, um, you know, Mr. Robot and and what we saw in season one. but Nathan, you are more than welcome to come back for another episode and we can do uh, the rapid fire for you then so that you're not missing oh, out. <laughs> perfect. Cool. All right. So shall we get started with episode one? Yeah, it's a good place to start, I think. Good place to start. Why not? <laughs> so season one, episode one, we start off with a black screen. Hello, friend. Hello, friend. That's lame. Maybe I should give you a name. That's a slippery slope. You're only in my head. We have to remember that. Shit. It's actually happened. I'm talking to an imaginary person. Straight away, uh, we're told that the male voice is talking to an imaginary person. He says, hello. And that there's a small group of powerful people that are now following him. Um, So as the, the sort of screen brightens up or whatever and we can see that it's this guy he's on a train or he's on the subway in new york um, and he says in his head that he should have gone to angela's birthday party and instead he went to and then it cuts to uh, a scene in a cafe yeah so the main guy he approaches a man called ron whose real name is rohit Mehta, um an owner of the owner of 17 ron's coffee shops so he informs him that he's hacked him and now controls all his emails, files and pictures. Um, he had a hundred terabytes of child porn that he then sells to his users on this like secret site that he's created somehow. Don't ask me how yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to know. It's like hosting on a private server, something like that. It's like dark web kind of thing. Yeah. It was giving very like, what was that? Um, is this Silk Road? Is that what it used to be called? It sounds familiar, but not 100%. Wasn't there one, like, I'm sure back in the day of, like, the darkness, it was shut down because people were just, like, Mm. selling, like, child porn and weapons and drugs and all types of shit was happening there. I think it was Silk Road. Um, Anyway, so, yeah, it's giving very much that. Not that I understand even how that works, but that's what came to mind as I watched it. Um, 
anyway so ron is asking this guy the main guy for sympathy and the man says that he understands being different and doesn't know how to speak to people um he reveals that his dad was the only one that he could talk to but he died of leukemia caused by radiation at the company that he worked at um he couldn't prove it though so you know he couldn't prove that, that was the cause he kind of moves on and says the company's fine though <laughs> which i thought was just like it i think it's such a great intro into what this show is about oh uh, definitely i think it was just masterful writing to mm. be honest if you like that's the thing with the show is like you learn so much about who the character is within those first five minutes more so than any show i've seen before because like especially like the ending part of it when he's like oh i can give you money and he's just like no no i don't need money like he like he's i was going to do research into it i didn't get a chance but i think he's what you would call like an ethical hacker mm. it's like it's not for money it's not for gain although some ethical hackers are like a job where they do like that kind of thing for money he just he he hacks as his way to interact with people right like you kind of see that more later on but it's kind of his way of st- I guess getting to know a person and then obviously that's how you find out the truth about a person. Right. And and like you say, it was just, it was written in a way that gave us so much information about mm. who he is and what motivates him and also what he's been through and what he thinks of corporations straight away it tells you that in just even that one sentence where he talks about his dad, you know, dying of leukemia, um, which was caused by radiation for the company that he worked for, but the company's fine. Just the way that he says that, you can tell straight away like what he's about, what's important to him um, and what he thinks of society. So um, this is again, all confirmed when he reveals that he set up this thing in person. Um, just to go back to your point where he says, cause you know, to improve his social anxiety. <laughs> so he's mm. doing it IRL. Um, and to make sure that obviously this Ron guy couldn't run, like you said, Ron offers him money. The police shows up, uh, show up as he's doing that, um, and and um, the main character, because we still don't know his name yet, he uh, he turns down the money and he leaves. He leaves the coffee shop. Um, so then we later find out that the man's name is Elliot. Um, as he arrives at work and his boss Gideon calls him into his office. We're also introduced uh, straight away to Angela his childhood friend who can be a bit high strung according to Elliot so Elliot is Mm. he does this narration he's talking in his head to his imaginary friend but we're the imaginary friends was actually informing us and talking to us which I typically don't like shows that have a lot of narration but I like Mm. how they do it in Mr. Robot are you yeah you you very much become like a character in the show yourself right like they play with it so well like it, it's like I, I'm also the same where like it shows that are like very narration heavy it's it feels like a way of telling and not showing but with this like you know like you kind of get this sense that he's an unreliable narrator the whole time yeah definitely um and and all the bits of information which we'll go into in a bit you can tell have been skewed to his perspective so it is really mm. him letting us know what's going on rather than us getting a, a bigger picture of what's going on if that makes sense because i feel like sometimes when we get narration it's just to explain the story it's a little bit of lazy writing usually in my opinion like Mm. they just kind of like quickly tell you what's happening so you can catch up and then the story continues whereas in this show it's more like a hey you're part of this you're watching this let me let me show you 
even if it means I'm telling you, let me show you how I view the world and how I interact with people, which I just thought was super interesting um, and pretty unique. Um, If you're listening to this and you know of other shows that do that, please let us know in the comments because I would love to, um, I'd love to find more stuff that kind of plays with that that type of narration and that type of storytelling because i just found it super interesting like it subverts expectations of the tropes that you'd expect from the kind of thing yeah definitely um so yeah so we meet angela angela gives him a hard time for not showing up to her party um as he'd apparently promised to try harder so um from here because he talked about social anxiety with ron in the cafe you can tell that i'm guessing he was saying he was going to try it socializing We see that the narration isn't just for our benefit. Angela calls him out straight away as he drifts off, which again, I think helps us to understand him a bit better and his demeanour as he shows up in the world. Because Angela's like, I hate when you do that. Like, don't don't drift off, like come back to me kind of thing. Um, then yeah. Angela's boyfriend shows up and Elliot instantly gets uncomfortable and just leaves the situation. Then we cut to therapy. I love the therapy sessions in in this Mm. season. I just, I really, really enjoyed them. Um, So in therapy, we learn that he researches everyone, like you were saying, and also has anger issues. His therapist, Krista, asks what it is about society that disappoints you so much. He gives this incredible deep answer. He's like calling out modern uh, modern day slavery by companies like Apple, um, social media commentary, faking intimacy, rigged elections, the way we spend money. You know, we learn that he's super observant and because, you know, he's, he's calling out bits as he kind of sees them. He's honing in on her Hunger Games book in her bag, for example. And it's just like this mm. super incredible, deep, observant, answer and then we realize he's not saying anything at all (laughs) that was all all in his mind for our benefit he's talking to us he's not actually talking to anybody yeah which was a shame she she calls him out on that bit as well doesn't she She does i can't can't remember exactly what it is she says to him but she says like you're you're not focusing right now you're you're completely somewhere else yeah she says that that she she says that he's hiding so she she uses that term specifically um because she then ends up saying when elliot hides his delusions come back which again i think there's so much detail for to, for it to be the beginning of episode one there's so much detail that's been woven through these conversations so quickly which is again amazing one thing that he does talk about is when he's now back to sort of narrating to us and we can tell that he's not having a conversation, he says that he respects her, he respects Krista, though um, because uh, he knows, or she knows, sorry, what it's like to feel alone and wants to heal others from that pain, which I thought was really sweet uh, in a weird way that I didn't quite understand, but I just thought was really nice. Yeah, he's, it's it's like, I can't, is it this episode where he talks about um, hacking the guy she started dating? Um, I can't remember if it was this scene or a bit later on. It was not this scene. It's definitely no. later on, but I don't know if it's later on in the episode. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go through my notes as I go and see. Um, but it comes but, up. We'll we talk don't. About it comes up. I don't think we know that he's hacked um, her date, the guy that she's dating yet. Hmm. I think the when he sees Angela's boyfriend, he mentions about hacking him at that point, doesn't he? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, he gets into that a bit, a bit later hmm. on. 
so yeah so then he's back at the office um and angela's boyfriend uh, ollie tries to talk things over with elliot elliot says that he's fine with things being awkward which i thought was absolutely hilarious because <laughs> ollie's just being a regular guy and being like you know i don't want yeah. things to be awkward it's not nice let's kind of get to know each other blah 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 and he's just like no i'm fine with things being awkward and i just think perfect my kind of guy um <laughs> Elliot knows that Ollie's been cheating on Angela but isn't ready mm. to tell Angela because he's worried about what boyfriend she would pick next. So he lets us know in that moment that he really does hack everyone around him. Yeah. Um he's hacked Ollie. Um but he doesn't trust Angela's decision making with boyfriends and he's like better the devil you know basically. Yeah, he's it's like one of the, it's like I was saying about him using it as like a form of getting to know people he uses it as well to like protect people that are in his life so with Angela he's kind of protecting her because he can keep a better eye on Ollie than having to hack someone else altogether yeah definitely definitely it is a very protective while also being a very Mm. curious thing that he does when he's hacking um, which is again super interesting we also find out that Elliot doesn't like being touched uh, because I think Ollie puts his arm on his shoulder and then goes oh sorry I realized I forgot you don't like being touched or something like that we're then introduced to E Corp, which Elliot has dubbed Evil Corp, and is now continuously throughout the season referred to as Evil Corp mm. by everybody else. Which again lets us know the whole time we're seeing this from Elliot's perspective and his mm. perspective only. It's such a um, simple moment, and it blew like for some reason it blew my mind a lot when he just did it, and he's like, "Oh, did you see me do that?" Like, like it's just the way he says it as well. He's like, "Oh, yeah, I forgot you guys can also see me doing all these things." masterful writing masterful writing in that moment so yeah so the cto the uh chief uh technological officer or chief technology officer uh terry colby he's in the room elliot refers to him well at least when he's talking to us um as an arrogant moron like he's not tech savvy at all he has like a blackberry (laughs) he's just so (laughs) unimpressed with terry colby it's hilarious we also meet um tyrell wellick who introduces himself to Elliot and is the senior VP of technology at Evil Corp. The guy is super, super creepy. Like the vibes <laughs> of him are just super weird. Uh, he's he's just so such an interesting character. Like later on in things, he's such an interesting character. But like in that moment, he felt like he was, it felt like he was trying to intimidate Elliot in some way. Yeah. But like in the nerdiest way possible. Mm-hmm. Like he speaks his language, so he know like he knows to intimidate, and he's got this sense of you. You've got big things ahead of you, like, like and like talking about on a wavelength. knowing that they'll work together, mm. which comes up later. Um, so again, great writing, but the guy was creepy as hell. I mean, that's great. Oh god, yeah, well. it's great. His act. wife as well. Like their their relationship is like oh, it's all mad. It's all so yeah. Mad. Um, but we don't know any of this yet. We just know that the guy no, is no, creepy. Don't. Um, Does he have a wife? I, I didn't even know. I don't, didn't even know. Is he married? <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, so <laughs> Elliot dreams of saving the world from the constraints of working for corporations, which I just thought was a really nice little line that he said to us in his mind. And again, sets the tone for what we're about to see this season. Anyway, so he's at home. Elliot is crying in the corner. He's like on the floor crying. 
he tells us about his sadness um, and how other people have someone to turn to. Obviously, he doesn't. We see a flashback of a woman abusing a young boy. And we later find out that he's kind of seeing um, his mum and a young, a young Elliot. We then also find out that he takes morphine. Mm. At which point his neighbour dealer comes over. I don't know if we find out her name then. But uh, yeah, comes over and uh, they do some some morphine together or whatever. And um, he ends up sleeping with her, which surprised the fuck out of me. I've got to be honest. Because everything that we'd learned so far about Elliot was he's this super socially awkward guy, doesn't like to be touched. And then he just casually has sex with his neighbour. <laughs> it really yes. threw me for a second. I think it's one of those things that what the thing of the show is that you come to learn in later seasons is they've written so far ahead of things like they've set a lot of stuff up for like later seasons and everything and i think that sets up some stuff like that's kind of when you reflect back on it near the end you kind of think you kind of like i'll explain after we talked about a later thing but like i it makes sense when you take a moment later on into account if that makes sense without spoiling anything. No, that's, I mean, that's fine. I assume that, I mean, maybe not that in particular, but I assume that I'm not surprised by that because so much was explained at the end of season one. Mm. So I imagine that, you know, future seasons are going to be written in the same kind of way. And that doesn't surprise me that something as small and seemingly insignificant as that could then be explained at a later season. That makes perfect sense for this type of show, to be honest. So uh, he then gets a notification about his therapist. And that's kind of when we get an inkling that he has hacked Krista as well. Because he sees or he's informed that uh, she's having a date with Michael Hansen, who you mentioned earlier. So he goes to where they're supposed to be meeting for this date and spies on them. He seems to recognize, uh, recognize, sorry, a guy that's kind of begging for money on one of the other tables. Kind of gets a bit distracted, but it's while he's trying to find out where Michael lives, he like rings the taxi operator and is like trying to figure out where, like where he was going after the date was over. Anyway, so he approaches, he goes to where Michael lives and finds Michael outside walking his dog, and he approaches Michael as he's taking the dog out and says, um can I use your phone? I just need to call my mum. Um, does something when he gives him his phone to the phone that I really just don't understand and then gives the phone back and walks off. So I'm sure it was something to help him hack. What he did yeah. though, they showed us the screen and I was just like, I don't, this is, I don't understand any of this. I don't know what he just did. I, I've got a limited understanding of it as well. And I think, I, I recall him making a phone call to his own phone. Yes. So I think he gets the number so that he can trace its usage online, possibly. Oh, in okay. some way. And then like he deletes his number off of the phone afterwards. It's either that or he's like doing it so he can get a trace on like an IP address or something. Like there's always IP addresses. But I've got such a limited understanding of it when they get into the jargon of it. Because it's all very kind of ac- more accurate hacking than you see normally. Right. Yeah, they normally you see it like in in um in other sort of TV shows or movies. Whenever they talk about hacking or whenever there's a story about hacking, it's all very, um, you know, they're typing really fast on a black screen yeah. and then they're in. 
Like it's never, there's never explanations of stuff. Like even in, you know, the conversations that Elliot is having with us as the observer, he's saying words as if we're supposed to fucking understand what he's talking about. And I'm just sat there like, I don't, what did you just say? I don't know. I don't know what this means. So yeah, it definitely does go into a lot more technical detail than anything else I've seen in terms of when it comes to hacking. There's no hand-holding for that kind of thing at all. It just thrusts you straight into it because I think, because we're seeing it from Elliot's eyes, the assumption is we're, we're his imaginary friend. We know what he's talking about. Right. So he doesn't, he doesn't have to like dumb it down for anybody because he's just talking to himself. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, that's definitely the vibe that you get watching it. Um, It's also, it's not in an overwhelming way though. Like I don't feel, I don't feel put off by it, but, it's very clear that I don't understand this stuff. And 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 while they do a good job in kind of guiding you through actions, mm. the technical bits, it's just like well over my head. Don't have a clue. Anyway, so he has a work emergency. Angela calls him in uh, because they've been hacked again. So where he works, we find out it's called Allsafe. And I mean, we've been to the office before, but I don't, I don't remember seeing a mention of the name of where he worked. Anyway, so by trying to stop the hack when he's at the office, um, they've actually spread the virus everywhere and have to take the whole system offline. So Gideon and and um, and Elliot have to get on a jet to Dallas to the server farm and they want to clear the infected servers and reboot everything. So while they're there and while they're working to do that, one server was um, missed. So they were racing against the clock to try and fix it because once the reboot hits it, it would cause some kind of issue. Again, didn't understand what that was, but I just knew that they were rushing to try and fix that one server. So yeah, so anyway, Elliot ends up saving the day. He get, he does it in time or whatever before the reboot kicks in and everything's good. He starts looking for uh, the hacker's mark. So this is something that if you've seen any type of movies, one thing that there is a, one thing that's always mentioned um, in terms of hacking is that hackers like to leave a little signature, a little mark, which is mm. also discussed here. Um, and Elliot says that usually there'll be something in there. So he checks the infected server, that server that he kind of saved the day with, and he sees the signature F Society. There's also a note for him to leave it there. Elliot, his instinct obviously is to delete it. The point is to get rid of it from the system. He he goes to delete it. So, but then he, he can't, like he kind of just is hold, he's hovering over the button. He can't do it. So he configures it to the root directory so that only he can use it. Now, these are the words that he used. I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? Um, again, not too sure. I, I, I think root directory is like a user thing. So he might, he might have like set it to be like, it can only be used by his like his IP or something. I feel like I just keep saying IP or sound <laughs> like I know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. But he, Sounds yeah, like it's, it to it's, me. Yeah, it's just jargon. It's, like, it's something that the characters understand and the show doesn't just, like, it, it embraces the fact that they understand what they're talking about. Yeah. Well, he does, he does let us. us know that no one will know. So I, you're probably right. It's something to do with his IP that only he can use. <laughs> mm. Jargon save the day. Um, okay, so yeah, he says no one will know. And then on the jet ride back, Gideon comes out to Elliot. We also find out that, again, we are hearing things from Elliot's perspective because when Gideon is talking about E Corp, he calls them 
Evil Corp. Mm. So I think that's the first time that someone other than Elliot has meant like referred to them as Evil Corp. So that kind of lets us know, okay, definitely seeing things from Elliot's perspective. Yeah. So they're back in New York. So on the subway home, the man that we saw begging earlier, if you remember, uh, he was trying to figure out where Michael Hansen lived, his therapist date. And as he was doing that, he saw a man that he seemed to like recognize, got a bit distracted by begging. So that same man is on the train with him and he sits opposite Elliot and says that they have something to talk about, but only if he didn't delete it. He's wearing a jacket that says it has a little badge a little stitch badge that says mr robot on it he gets off the train elliot follows him and they sit on the at the platform and the man tells elliot that they're going to coney island elliot says that he's been following him and wants to know why the man starts telling him about his dad being a thief and how he's earned everything he stole as long as he wasn't caught they finally caught his dad a few years later and he died in prison says he's gonna break uh elliot out and see because uh, he's in prison as well so there was like this whole kind of these analogies that he was kind of mm. using and you're just like all right the guy was just chatting <laughs> that was the that was the the impression i got i was just like all right he's just he likes the sound of his own voice like pretty much every sort of sociopath in all of these types of movies yeah. like the leader guy that just likes to chat and chat and chat so that was an interesting scene. And then uh, they arrive at a seemingly like abandoned fairground at Coney Island and they go into a building uh, with a team of people in these arcades. Elliot asks why the team of hackers meet in real life. He actually says IRL, which is hilarious. And basically the answer is that there was a central point of failure with this one guy that was able to basically get a whole team of hackers taken down by the FBI because they never met in person. They always communicated, you know, through a VPN that he'd set up. Yeah. Um, so once they were able to crack this one guy's computer, they were able to catch the, the rest of the team. So this makes sense that the team meets here and only here. They don't communicate over any channels. They literally just meet in person at these arcades. So, which I thought was really interesting actually, because... Yeah. Again, every hacker movie and TV show, it's always like they always communicate in secret over some kind of virtual channel. It's never mm. a team of people that meet together, usually anyway. I didn't get a chance to look into it, but I was wondering if, if the the thing that you mentioned, I don't know if that was like a true story or not, like about that, like that hacker who they all got taken down because they traced one person's like VPN. But that, I mean, that, like when you think on it, like that seems like a surefire way of like actually capturing someone like that yeah it does make a lot of sense so i i know they do take a few things from the real from real life into this and obviously with how accurate the hacking is i would assume that's a true story to be fair it wouldn't surprise me because like you say it does make a lot of sense like when you break it down like that of course they would catch everyone else all they have to do is break your computer that's it once they've caught the one guy you know, they just need somebody who's equally good at hacking in, within the ranks, which, you know, the FBI and, and other agencies often hire illegal hackers because they're great mm. at their job. So it does make sense. As soon as yours is hacked, they'll find everyone else. So, yeah, probably is based on a real story. Wouldn't surprise me. So Elliot then asks about a project and Mr. Robot just says, you know, I just wanted you to see the place. That's it. You don't even have a computer or whatever with you. And it cuts to... Elliot on the way home and he's like questioning whether that was a delusion 
Angela is waiting for him at his steps when he arrives at his apartment building and thanks him for saving her ass. They go into his place to get high and watch a movie. But his dealer, who who we find out is called Shayla, is still naked and asleep in his bed. Angela is surprised, which again, fair reaction because I was too and I don't even, like, I don't know these people, obviously. But yeah, Angela is surprised and also kind of looked a little, I want to say like disappointed, jealous, kind of. Ends up leaving anyway, saying that she's happy that he's dating. Elliot wakes Shayla up and starts researching Mr. Robot. Can't find a trace of him anywhere. And then considers turning F Society in with the file that he has. And he he ends that, that scene ends with him kind of saying, you know, what's your ask, Mr. Robot? How long has Shayla been sleeping for? Right, because... (laughs) He left at night and like he was gone like the better part of a day. He came back at, I think at night. I'm not, it wasn't I can't quite remember. Yeah, it's like she was out for the count for a while at least. To be fair though, they did do drugs. So it's mm. it's likely that that wasn't a normal sleep. That was... They, a... I know that he did morphine before she showed up. I think they did Molly when they were like, when she was there. Yes, I think she had ecstasy. And then, because yeah. he asked, is that ecstasy? And she said, no, that's clarity. I remember that. I remember that. So I think, yeah, I think she had ecstasy with her. I've not taken ecstasy, but does it make you sleep for a long time? I don't know. I mean, all I've heard about ecstasy is that you have a come down that lasts a long time after the high. So if she slept through her come down, maybe? I don't know. Hmm. I, I genuinely don't know. She only lives across the way as well. Like, it's not far for her to get back. So she it's clearly so must have just woken up in that bit. Yeah, well, she was out. Like, he had to wake her up. Mm. <laughs> she was all the way out. Like, even when they walked in, when him and Angela walked in, just out, passed out in bed. Yeah, super interesting. Anyway, Elliot goes back to the fairground and uh, sees Darlene, one of the women on the hacking team, outside smoking, outside the arcade building. He asks her where her boss is, and she says, cut the bullshit, when are you going give, to give us access to the root directory? And he's just like, what? like super confused uh she says dude come on i wrote that root kit i still have to put colby's ip in the dat file and calls him a dickhead as she walks off she seemed like super interested at how confused he was and i think that was probably one of the first clear signs that things aren't what they seem like you know she's very irritated that he's asking about where the boss is like as if what, what are you what are you talking about and so you start to then think, wait, is, because we're talking about delusions, is Mr. Robot in his head? Or is like Mr. Robot like Fight Club style, another personality of his? Like you just start to think, hang on, something's not right here. Anyway, Mr. Mister Robot shows up and they get on one of the rides, which again, what? Because I, I didn't know the fairground was open. <laughs> it looked abandoned. I didn't know it was like you could just get on a ride. Elliot says to Mr. Robot that he's going to turn him in and Mr. Robot starts to tell him about um, money not being real and how they're on the verge of taking down um, the virtual reality that is money. Talking about taking down a conglomerate that owns 70% of the consumer credit industry, which is uh, Evil Core, and how that would erase all the debt regular people owe. Elliot then, it looks like he realises that Mr. Robot picked him because he works at Allsafe and wants him to modify the DAP file by putting Colby, this, the uh, CTO, 
put in his terminal IP address um, within the DAT file to frame him when the uh, in time for the v, v, uh, the FBI VPI what the hell I'm so confused by all of these acronyms <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying anymore <laughs> um, so yeah in term in time for when uh, the FBI visit the next day so the FBI are coming in to all safe to find out what happened like you know because obviously hack Mr Robot tells him that if he does this he will set in motion the largest revolution the world will have ever seen. So I love that bit because I was like, mm. hang on, debt is being erased. I'm down. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's go for that. So instantly it's like if you weren't rooting for him already, you're definitely rooting for them at that point, at least from my point of view. I think they, they got me on side real quick. Like biggest revolution ever got me on side straight away. Right. Straight away. They were like, oh, yeah, this one company. As soon as, to be fair, as soon as they called him Evil Court, I was like, I understand. Hmm. I understand what this is about. I got you. Yeah, so anyway, we're back to Elliot's place. Elliot pulls up articles on the growing debt crisis, um, the gap between the rich and the poor. He prints something out, burns a CD. Uh, we don't really know what it is. I'm not clear on what it is yet. But again, it, those articles are really just helping us understand where he's coming from like his point mm. of view how he feels about money um and it's very much in line with what mr robot was saying he even if elliot doesn't quite realize it himself yet yeah the next day at the office the team is sitting with the fbi and colby and wellick tyrell wellick the weirdest guy ever from evil corp <laughs> they're, they're all sort of sat there together and colby keeps cutting angela off as she's trying to explain what happened in uh, in the hack the night before and how they were able to stop it all. He ends up getting her kicked out of the meeting uh, and Elliot, in that moment, because, you know, Angela's his childhood friend, in that moment swaps out the original file that he had on the desk that he was about to give them for another one that was in his bag. It seems like he decided not to come clean, but actually to give them the DAT file that has colby's uh, ip address which is what mr robot wants him to do wellick though notices that little swap he kind of looks over at the table like mm, what are you doing kind of thing but doesn't say anything yeah he just like he just kind of lets it happen like yeah he's... he lets it happen he, he notices though you can tell mm. that he's seen something and something's not quite right next thing we hear as as the observer 19 days have passed there have been no arrests no revolution no mr robot no um f society at the at the fairground i think there's scenes of him going there and it's just empty he goes back to his usual like hacking ways so he uh, calls michael hansen remember the guy that was um dating his therapist krista he's pretending to be the bank to get like his first pet's name or his pet's name and then something else he asked him. I can't remember what the other question, but security questions. Mother's maiden name, I think it might have been. Yeah. Um, that one stuck with me for some reason. It stuck with me because my mum got caught by one of those kinds of scams before. Oh, someone calling pretending uh, to be the bank? Yeah, because wow. um, what they do is they spoof the number of the bank that's on the back of a bank card that you have. I didn't know they but, did that. Yeah, because I don't know how they do it, but they do it. So, that, so normally if the bank calls you, it's an unknown number. So what they do is they call you the number will come up as the actual number for the card. And they said, then if you don't believe them, they go, well, read the number on the back of the card, the same as the number that's calling you. Wow. Mm. 
See, I didn't know about that, but I've always been funny about like, because obviously they have to do their security questions before they can talk to you about your account. Yeah. I remember um, my my bankers never called me, but the bank I have my business account with, HSBC, they were calling me one time and I was like, and they were like, oh, we just need to go through security questions. I was like, I'm absolutely not doing that. I'll tell you what, I'll call you back. And then, so I'll call customer services and I'll go through, you know, to the, you know, just when you have general uh, inquiries or whatever. So they put you through to just the operator. Yeah. I said, I'll go through that way. And then they can put me through to the department. I mean, it was a genuine call because when I called back and they kind of did a bit of hoopla, had me on hold for a while and they did need to speak to me. It was them trying to ring me. But that's the only way I'm going to interact with the bank over the phone is if I ring them. There's absolutely no way I'm giving any, I'm answering any security questions if they ring me. But then I didn't even know that they could spoof a number like that. That's wild. Yeah, it's um, it's the same thing where um, I th I think it's the same thing anyway. Like, do you ever get those like mobile phone numbers that call you and then they're like a rec recorded automated message? Yes. I think it's a similar kind of idea to that, but I, I don't know if that one they're just like buying SIM cards and just phoning. But for the bank ones, the ones that have like specific help numbers, they spoof the numbers. That's mad, man. That's crazy that they can do that. All this shit mm. that hackers can do and they've not started a revolution like in Mr. Robot. I'm actually disappointed, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> anarchy on the streets, you know. Just just a little bit of anarchy, that's all. Just something. Give us something, man. We've, we've been in lockdown as well. You could have really done something and just nothing. I'm really disappointed. Um. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So he, he, gets, he gets some security questions, but Michael Hansen does start to get a bit um, suspicious anyway. But Elliot has everything that he needs, so he hangs up. He starts to hack him and he comes to the conclusion that he must be using a fake name because he cannot like find more details about mm -hmm. this guy. So he uh, confronts him later on. It cuts to him confronting Michael Hansen in the street, telling him to break up with his therapist, that he found his real identity and that he's married. He cheats on his wife. He hires a bunch of escorts and he wants him to not just break up with his therapist, Krista, but actually tell her the whole truth. And then did something I was not expecting, just took his dog, like, just took his dog home. That was the weirdest bit of it for me as well. It was just like... I suppose it makes sense when you think, oh, he just needs a friend at home, really, you know? <laughs> but he's been, and that's that's kind of funny as well, because he's been fine mm. with his fish. He has a little black fish in a bowl, <laughs> mm. and he's just been fine with his fish, but he just decided to take this guy's dog, which I just thought, what? Okay, well, I guess, fine. He has, uh, we go back to Elliot's apartment again, and he has a digital cemetery of all of his hacks where he kind of keeps, you know, CDs, like burnt CDs of just all the dirt that he holds on the people that he's hacked. Mm. Then we cut to the therapist being at the therapist office the next day and she's clearly like super sad, distracted, just like she clearly has been crying all night. He even says that when he's talking to us as the observer and she's just not, she's not with it at all. Bless her, I felt so bad for her. Cuts to Elliot with Angela and he's trying to tell he's trying to tell Angela who says that she was she's ba he's basically trying to like pacify her because he, he bumps into her because she's kind of been avoiding him and she says that she was embarrassed in that meeting where Colby basically was rude, really rude to her was cutting her off and then had her kicked out and tells Elliot not to stick up for her even when she's losing so clearly when we weren't watching Elliot must have 
kind of maybe said something to defend Angela's position and her being the right person for the job. Um, Because I don't remember seeing that. I just remember her being pissed off about it later. So it must have been something we weren't privy to. I think he ends up like apologising, whatever. He gives her a hug. They have a bit of a moment. Um, And then all of a sudden, everyone's staring in their direction, but they're not staring at them. They're staring at the TV screen above their heads. And it's a news story that has broken that Colby, the CTO of Evil Corps, has been arrested. The FBI have confirmed the hacks were in part tied to Colby's terminal. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Cuts to Elliot kind of celebrating in his head. He's walking through Times Square and he just lifts his arms up out of nowhere in kind of silent celebration. Uh, And then all of a sudden men in suits pull up and tell him to step inside the car. He eventually gets in the car and they take Elliot to an office building. He goes into an office full of men in suits whose faces are like blurred out, like it's not in focus. Mm. And then one face clears up and it's Tyrell Wellick. And he says, bonsoir, Elliot. And that's the end of episode one. The thing with the, like, I got to call them the G-men. I think they're like called G-men when they're like men in black suits or something. Yeah. The thing with them is as well, doesn't he spend like most of the episode kind of paranoid that people are watching him as well? Yes. Yeah, so he's like the he's whole kind of time he's eye think... on anyone with a suit on. Yeah, the whole time whenever he's on the subway or he's walking anywhere, he's always very aware if there are men in suits around and it always feels to him that they're watching him and following him from afar. So it is interesting that it is men in suits that got him in that car <laughs> at the end. Then Tyrell's like like I quite like the reveal of the Ty Welbeck because everything it's so the cinematography in the show is like very it it keeps consistent throughout the whole thing and it's very disorientating because they use such interesting shots where like they have the character be like the smallest thing on the screen like just in the bottom corner of the shot and on that one you've got everyone's just like out of frame slightly as it focuses on each person there. And then you've just got like Tyrell in the middle is the only person who's like in frame at all properly. Yeah, it really was shot beautifully. It was mm. like, it just cleared up beautifully right on his face. And it was just, it gave the, I think it had the impact it was intended to have, right? It was supposed to be a haze, confusion, confusion. Oh, bonsoir earlier, it's him kind of thing. Mm. Like it was just very, I love how it's shot to be honest. It, not only is it written well to me, but it's shot super, in a really interesting, very gritty, but not over the top way. Mm. These are clearly not, you know, the technical terms. <laughs> I am not in any way, <laughs> any type of cinematographer, but it's just, it was super interesting, super interesting to watch. Um, So what did you think of episode one, Nathan? I think episode one was one of those things that like, gripped me immensely on the show it's like sometimes you have a tv show that you can take a few episodes to get into breaking bad's a good example the first episode of breaking bad i got half an hour in stopped it and then eventually i sat down and watched it i think it was about three episodes in where the show fully had me mm-hmm. like with this one it was straight in episode one they set they set so much up in that episode even if you don't realize they're doing it they set so much up. They've got they've got a message, and they stick to it the whole time. Like they've got that they 
very much have like an underlining theme and they're embracing it fully like they're not holding hands they're not trying to be they're not dumbing it down for anything they're not trying to be like like every other show or open to all audiences they have a specific target they want to hit definitely it's very like you either get it or you don't this mm. is either going to be for you or it's not and that's okay like it's not trying to appeal to the masses which i thoroughly enjoy to be honest so we go into episode two episode two starts with them being in this meeting so elliot is in is in this um office this kind of boardroom looking room with uh, tyrell wellick wellick goes into this whole speech about power belonging to the people that take it Give a man a gun and he can rob a bank. Or give a man a bank and he can rob the world. It's a bit of a silly expression, actually. A little reductive, but still, I like it. For the same reason most people hate it, because to me it means that power belongs to the people that take it. Nothing to do with their hard work, strong ambitions, or rightful qualifications now. The actual will to take is often the only necessary i'm sorry rather than it being anything to do with skill or whatever like that he kind of just makes it very clear that it's about you know taking power that's how you get it wellick is surrounded by lawyers as the technique the meeting is technically illegal and he offers elliot a job to head up the cyber security division of evil corp despite there being a non-compete with his current employer allsafe he says that Elliot will be a multimillionaire in the next five years if he takes this job. Elliot says he wants to think about it. Well, it makes it very clear that he's been named the interim CTO. They're going to be revamping all of their systems. So they're going to get rid of all of their current vendors, which includes Allsafe, um, which is why he wants to then bring Elliot to work for him. Elliot says no. Again, confirming this has nothing to do with money. It's not about money for Elliot it's not about a career path for Elliot it's something much much deeper for him so outside of his apartment building uh Shayla reluctantly gives gives him some morphine pills now Elliot takes morphine pills along with suboxone which is a withdrawal medication it's kind of like methadone I think Mm. and so he takes them along like alongside each other so he takes them at the same time and he only ever takes i think 30 uh, milligrams or whatever of morphine because that's how he's he doesn't get addicted or so he thinks shayla doesn't have suboxone or something i think she only has the morphine and so she reluctantly gives it to him because he's just like no, no no i'll be careful i'll be careful but you know i need the next lot of pills or whatever inside he hacks wellick He's um, wondering um, whether Wellick knew that he was going to try and hack him and made it purposely easy because it just seemed super easy for him to do so. And so he then just scrubs everything out of like paranoia. Um, So anyway, he starts taking more drugs than he should. He even tells us that as the observer and even carries some with him, like some crushed up pills with him to the office and sniffs some on the way in. And it's just like, all right, what's going on here? Because... Until that point, he did always seem very measured and controlled and like in control, even with the drug taken. And I think we start to see cracks here. Like he's Mm. not, he's not okay. He's stressed out, clearly. 
The show's got a really good approach to like how it handles like discussions on mental health, I find as well. Yeah. Thinking on that kind of thing. Like they like they're they're doing not Hollywood mental health where it's, you know, just someone sat in a room looking a bit sad. They're they're fully embracing different like this disorders, I guess the right word, disorders and like different like forms of mental health. Like he mentions about his anxiety a lot, his social ineptness is there's another one that I cannot for life me remember at the moment. Like he has a, he has another like mental health issue that I can't remember. Yeah, I can't I can't either. But I think you're right. The way that they the way they approach the various sort of disorders featured in the show is very like it's a very soft approach, but a very like informative approach. So just kind mm. of showcasing I guess typical or common symptoms without doing too much if that makes sense like without kind of adding to any stigmas or anything like that it's just very it's just very informative and very almost matter of fact like this is what's happening this is what it is this is how it manifests itself next he goes into the office so obviously he's in the office he goes in to uh, sit with Gideon his boss and Gideon says that he's given Elliot a raise and asks why he didn't come to him personally and tell him about the DAT file. So remember, Colby's IP address is in the DAT file. Elliot presented the file, obviously last minute decision, presented the file in the room with the FBI and everybody. He didn't tell Gideon ahead of time. Obviously we know why, but Gideon's like, why don't you just come and tell me? Gideon then says that he knows about F Society and says that they're working with Colby. Uh, they're threatening to do a data dump unless the FBI releases Colby. And then he shows this F Society video, which looks very anonymous style. You've got a guy in a mask, very similar to the Guy Fawkes mask. And it's very like, very anonymous style is what I'll say to that. Um, I don't really know any other, I don't have any other comparisons. It's a mix of that and have you ever heard of Max Headroom I think it's called, I'm just going to Google it really quickly make sure I got that right. Um, Max Headroom was a very similar thing where it was a man in a mask um, in like a strange room delivering a message and it was like, it was a it was like a, tea, it was like a character of some kind um, but in like 1987 like um, a, a, a broadcast signal in America was hijacked and someone wearing a mask of this character was on TV and he delivered the message pretty much exactly like they are in the show. Um, it's a really eerie video, if you ever see it. It's got to be on YouTube somewhere, but it's essentially they hacked this signal partway for a TV show. And uh, I can't remember exactly how long they managed to hack it for. They like just hijacked the signal long enough to deliver this just very bizarre video i've never heard of that but even though you told me that it's bizarre and a little bit disturbing i kind (laughs) of want to see it (laughs) so i'm gonna be searching for it after this okay so anyway so they're outside the building now they're outside of all safe and elliot distracted distractedly I don't know where my, I don't know what's happening with my words today. Bear with me, guys. Um, he distractedly agrees to a double date with Angela and Ollie um, because Ollie kind of brings up the fact that he knows that there was basically this woman in the bed because <laughs> Angela has told him and says, hey, why don't you guys, you know, come and we'll do a double date, or whatever. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, cool. That's fine. And then he walks off. 
as he walks off, there's this guy that's been basically out and about harassing people to buy his CD, his music CD. And he comes back around to Ollie and Ollie goes, fine, look, I'll buy I'll buy the CD. And then he's like, oh, great. Listen to track two. It's really good. Anyway, so he buys a CD off this guy in the street. Like, that conversation, by the way, is great. Where it's just like, yeah, I'll, do, I'll tweet about it. I've got I've only got 48 followers. But, but they're, they're tastemakers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember chuckling at that because he was just like, you know, I've only got 48 followers on now, but you know, it's like the tastemakers. <laughs> it's like, um, chill. Okay. Um, yeah, that was really funny. So then Elliot is now we're now back at Elliot's place and he comes home to find Darlene in his shower. I uh, remember Darlene is, you know, one of the two women on the F society, uh, hacking group team thing. So, why Darlene is in his shower, got into his place somehow, knows where he lives, all very mysterious, all very confusing, and asks whether he forgot about their meet last night. She asks him that. On the subway journey, they're now on the tube, Elliot wonders if Darlene sees the men in suits that he always sees following him because she actually jumps off the train that they're on and then jumps back on at the last second or something. So like the the men in the suits that Elliot sees, they're actually outside. They miss him or they miss them and they can't follow him anymore because they're still on the platform. She just looks around and almost as if she can hear him talking to us and says, what? I like to stay on my feet. So it cuts to the fairground and the team claps as Elliot and Darlene walk into the arcade building. They only ever interact with Mr. Robot when he's stood like in front of Elliot, which again, is, you start to question again, like, is, is this guy real? Is Are they talking to Elliot? And we just don't realise like what's what's happening? Why is it only one of them is speaking at the time kind of thing? But they are interacting with Mr. Robot. So that it does cause a bit of confusion. You start to kind of doubt yourself a little bit. Mr. Robot. Another point to... about Mr. Robot in this episode, sorry to interrupt you, is That's that okay. he's the only person who touches Elliot and Elliot doesn't react. I didn't even notice that. There's also a thing where if you ever kind of watch a scene with him, if he's in the room, people don't, talk to him they always address Elliot as well yes that I noticed but that was like not yeah. this episode I think I think that was later no, on I, I think I think it happened a bit in the first one as well where like it's people just seem to only address Elliot whenever he's around yeah I didn't notice about that touching thing that's a really good point yeah so they're they are interacting with Mr Robot in terms of talking to him and, and he's answering while they're talking about the the plan to blow up Steel Mountain. Later on, Mr. Robot and Elliot are talking to each other and Elliot says, look, I'm not going to kill anyone. Mr. Robot then asks him if he's a one or a zero. He's like, you're either going to do something or you don't. Elliot goes back to his apartment building, but goes to Shayla's apartment next door and finds the guy that he had seen earlier being a little bit rough with Shayla outside. We find out that he is Fernando Vera, Shayla's supplier. He's hacked him before, but only hasn't taken him down because he's Shayla's only supplier of Suboxone. So he realises that he doesn't get his drugs if if he, he dobs Fernando in, basically. Yeah. Fernando is a very weird character. He looks like he's smoking crack. He's smoking something. And he says um that truly hating yourself is power um he likes that elliot isn't scared of him he talks about having you know tried to commit suicide in the past like he truly truly hates himself he thanks him for meeting shayla as he's the only supplier of this specific drug 
and when he leaves, Elliot picks the lock and finds Shayla knocked out in the tub. Thankfully, she's fine, um, but clearly she's been, you know, abused by Fernando. They did drugs together. She doesn't remember having sex with him. Elliot asked her. Just, it was it was quite gross, to be honest, and it was really sad seeing Shayla like that. And obviously, Elliot is sent into, like, a bit of a spiral about getting rid of Fernando and, by proxy, his morphine, his drugs. We then cut to the next scene where he basically decides he's got, he's got to dob him into the police. He he tells he he does it anonymously via an anonymous tip line for the police and then he tells his therapist that he doesn't have control thought he'd be part of something special he might as well do nothing his therapist then talks about his father Elliot's father and how he chose to do nothing when he was battling cancer Krista says maybe your father felt the same way as you do now like you said what's the point you know, tells him that he has options and that he doesn't have to accept what life gives him. At this point, I was like, okay, so why do they keep talking about his dad? Why do they keep talking about his dad? I'm like going, okay, why? <laughs> because this is clearly very significant. Like, I understand the significance as as far as Evil Corp is con- concerned. But, like, the fact that, you know, the therapist is bringing it up, I was like, okay, there is something here. I don't know what it is, but there is definitely something there. So then we cut to the guy that sold Ollie that CD. He is watching Angela through her webcam because Ollie tries to put the CD into her laptop and it turns out it's some kind of malware and allows the this guy to hack um, Angela's laptop. Which, again, we don't really get much of a breakdown of why that's important, but that's what happens. Ollie then gets like an email from one of the girls that he's cheating with and it's a picture of of her in like lingerie saying come over meet me or whatever and he kind of makes his excuses and says he's meeting a friend and leaves then we cut to elliot meeting up with mr robot who wants to know how elliot's father dies they're at a boardwalk and they're sitting on like i want to say it's like a bridge because that's the only way i know how to describe it because there's a path underneath where people are walking and it's quite a high yeah it's it's like a railing or something it's an odd one it's it's weird it's like a weird kind of geography to the place yeah it kind of reminds me like when you go to the pier like how you have i don't but i don't know what you call it like i know it's a boardwalk and i know that he sat on the railing bit but the fact that there's a bit underneath it's like they're on a bridge that's the closest thing i can think of anyway so they're sat on the railing talking and mr robot wants to know how elliot's father died Elliot then talks about how he worked at Evil Corps, uh, how he worked there his whole life. He told him that he had leukemia and not to tell his mum. So he, Elliot's dad told Elliot that he had leukemia and told him not to tell his mum. He then shoved Elliot out of a window when he tried to hug him and apologise for telling his mum. Uh, and in that fall, Elliot broke his arm. He, his dad never spoke to him again and he couldn't even look at him even on the night that he died. This is all what Elliot tells Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot then asked whether he was wrong for betraying his dad's trust. And as Elliot starts to answer, he pushes him off the bridge. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> Again, it's just it's just the way that it's set. It's just so like you have to watch the next one now. Like you have to yeah. you're like, you just thrown it what? Okay, I have to it's so great at getting you to keep watching. It's really well done, to be honest. Yeah. They're, they're kind of they're throwing things at you left right and center again without it, it's there's payoff to everything they set up but like they're not holding your hand during it it's the best example of this kind of thing being done where they're kind of 
hinting towards stuff, not fully revealing things. Because um, I remember watching, you ever watched Fortitude? No, it doesn't sound familiar. No. Is it a TV no, show so, or a film? Yeah, it's a TV show. It was um, Sky, like a Sky Atlantic original or something like that. And it was uh, all these people that live in, I think it was either Iceland or Norway. They live in one of those like villages, like little rural villages that's like always battered by snow. Oh. And the whole show, essentially, they give you kind of like, it's, it's like an ensemble show. It's like if you little bits from each character but half the time half of them are doing stuff that just hasn't been explained so you feel like you've missed a scene because obviously you don't want to just have the show explain it all to you but they never pay it off so you just see people setting stuff up or doing stuff and you're just wondering what's going on here are we going to find out and then you just kind of never really find out so like this like Mr. Robot does that kind of thing, but a lot better because there is payoff and there is like a purpose behind these strange little things that are being set up. Yeah, it's definitely very, we're setting this up, we're setting this up, but they do it in a way where it's like, it's still shocking and it's still entertaining because mm. sometimes when 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 a story is being set up, it kind of feels like, okay, okay, we get it, okay. It kind of drags, but there is no dragging. And you, it makes you feel like, oh, I can't, like, I can't be on my phone and play a game while I'm watching this. I have to pay attention. I have to know because I'm going to miss so much if I even just look away for a quick moment. I have to pay, like, I have to give it my full attention because there are so many mm. little Easter eggs like that, which is, yeah, again, great. It's really enticing, well-written show. So, yeah, so then we go into episode three. So, for once, we're actually not starting from Elliot's point of view on this episode the episode starts with Wellick Tyrell Wellick preparing a speech in the mirror as to why he should be given the the job of permanent CTO so not just interim as he is now he's like very intense again creepy guy he's like super super intense he's like slapping himself like just doing all sorts of weird shit basically oh yeah this episode's like a really great insight into Tyrell's mindset where you yes. kind of realize some things that you kind of pick up in pieces from the first two, but like you kind of very realize that he's a very all out. He needs to do whatever he can to get to where he wants. He's got like a goal, like an ambitious goal set out. Like he's out of everyone, he's the most driven person, I would say, like in the show. He is definitely incredibly scarily driven. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So he's getting ready for this meeting that he's got with, I think it's supposed to be with the CEO. Um, it turns mm. out to be a huge waste of time as his meeting is rescheduled when he gets to the building or to Evil Core, And it's rescheduled to two weeks time. The company have a, a CTO candidate in mind that the board also likes, like the board of the corporation also likes. So his men then drive him. He's obviously quite annoyed, but his face is still very stern his kind of drivers his security or whoever his men drive him to a very derelict location and he's giving a man that seems to be uh homeless unhoused money the man negotiates a bit more i think it's 300 dollars. he gives him the more money he says oh true capitalist i like that something like that he then puts on these hospital like vinyl gloves and proceeds to beat the shit out of him at one point, the man begs him to stop, but Tyrell gets one more kick in uh, before just leaving him in the street 
to seemingly bleed out or die we don't know but he's just beat the absolute shit out of this guy then we cut to a hospital where Elliot is waking up he's waking up remember he was pushed off the boardwalk (laughs) so he's waking up in the hospital to see Shayla and his therapist Krista standing there Shayla was his emergency contact it turns out and he can't leave the hospital without a psychiatric evaluation so apparently when he'd woken up before which he doesn't remember when he had woken up before he'd requested his own therapist Krista Uh, He admits to Krista that he's been taking morphine, which is why he declined the, I think, drug panel when he was awake beforehand. And she says that she'll only recommend his release from the hospital if he submits to a bi-monthly drug test. He then flashes through his mind and basically lets us know that it will be very easy to hack the system. So he agrees to it. Um, He'll be able to change his results to negative. It's fine. So he just agrees to it. Shayla then asked him if he had anything to do with Fernando's arrest. I think they're back at his place at this point. Darlene has broken into his place and tries to introduce herself to Shayla, but Elliot kicks her out. At that point, I was like, because obviously he'd let he, she'd let him herself into his place before in the last episode. Uh, but at that point, I'm like, oh, no, you know this woman. Like, you really know this woman because she is very comfortable being in your place but also doesn't know Shayla so why is that because Shayla's been his next door neighbor for a while we find out so it's like why why do they not know each other again little easter eggs it sets itself up for later so anyway Ollie is we cut to Ollie Ollie's being uh, blackmailed by the hacker he realizes that he and the girl that he was he's been cheating with have been hacked he's actually on the phone with her saying oh you didn't send me these pictures or blah 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 this hacker has all of these girls pictures but also stuff on him stuff on angela and her banking because she's logged into it on that laptop before and uh which is that her banking information is tied to her dad's banking information because of a student loan or something like that so the hacker also has her dad's social security number which is obviously very worrying she's she's very worried about that the hacker also has pictures of angela in a towel and i think some other kind of nude-ish pictures from the webcam yeah because the angles like the bathrooms i think it's he's got basically got video of her like getting undressed to go into the shower into the shower yeah exactly the guy actually calls ollie and threatens to release everything including the pictures that he's got of angela And then it cuts to the hacker communicating, saying, you know, he's going to break or whatever. But it's in a foreign language. It looks like Mandarin, maybe Japanese. But then it cuts to Elliot's office. So Elliot's back at All Safe. He walks out of a meeting and finds Mr. Robot sat at his desk. Mr. Robot says he's not going to leave without him. He needs to go, you know, he wants to go to lunch. He wants to go to a bar. He wants to go somewhere. In the end, they end up going to a bar. The bartender is only interacting with Elliot, as you mentioned, Nathan. People only seem to interact with either one, not both, ever. So the bartender's only interacting with Elliot, wants to know what he's drinking or whatever. But Mr. Robot is holding a drink. Mr. Robot is drinking a an apple teeny. So Elliot asks for an apple teeny. And the bartender then makes that for him. Mr. Robot apologises and says that he's sure that his dad would have wanted to apologise too. He tells him that he's the key to the whole plan. Without him, there's no plan. 
so now we get like again we're now in some other scene elliot is talking to us again as the observer and he says f society's over did you hear that i can't believe it is it really happening f society's finally over the recent glitch and the otherwise neat reality i created over the years i'll never slip up like that again i'm gonna be more normal now maybe shayla could even be my girlfriend I'll go see those stupid Marvel movies with her. I'll join a gym. I'll heart things on Instagram. I'll drink vanilla lattes. I'm gonna lead a bug-free life from now on. Anything to protect my perfect maze. Shayla will be his girlfriend. He goes to the office and he tells Gideon that he's changed his mind. He will go to his dinner because Gideon had asked him to go to a dinner around his house. And he also asks if he can bring his girlfriend, which surprises Gideon he obviously doesn't have a girlfriend yet um yes they slept together but they've definitely not had that conversation with Shayla <laughs> I have the confidence in that line as well where he goes right. like, I didn't know you had a girlfriend oh I haven't asked her yet it's like fair play right. <laughs> good for you Elliot absolutely so Ollie is about to put the malware cd in his work computer but is interrupted by Angela she doesn't know what's happening I think yeah she didn't know what was happening at that point then we cut to Elliot's apartment building I believe and Shayla is he's not into faking like being his girlfriend at this dinner party so she then says to him why don't you ask that why don't you ask that girl that was here talking about Darlene she then actually shows him like her art stuff that's in her apartment. She's like this stuff that she puts on material, which is super interesting to look at, to be honest. And she has something up on the wall. And he talks about it in when he's talking to us, in his mind, about it being her bug and being elusive as well. They then kiss and she asks him not to let her down. So it's kind of her way of being like, yeah, all right, we'll do this then. Which again, I thought was super cute. We then cut to Wellick being outside this bar and he just starts making out with this guy. Even though at this point we know that he has a wife. No explanation, no nothing. So we just cut to the dinner party. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if you were sure about the guy that he makes out with. That's the secretary of uh, the CEO of E Corp. Yeah, I didn't realise that yeah. till later, yeah. yeah. <laughs> At that point, I was just like, so, wait, what? And then it just cut to the dinner party so quick. I was so confused. I forgot as well, because you literally like see him for one brief scene where he just tells him like the meeting was rescheduled and that's it. Yeah, very weird. So yeah, we're at the dinner party now and things are hilariously awkward. Um, Gideon apologised for doubting Elia and searching the server again secretly. He searched that infected server again, but he's like, clearly... You know, I'm sorry that I didn't basically trust you. Elliot explains it away, you know, because remember, Gideon had asked, why didn't you just come and tell me that it had Colby's IP in the DAT file? Elliot does find, like, an interesting way of explaining it away. I can't remember what it was, but it seems to pacify Gideon for now. Then news breaks of hacked email dumps and ties between Colby and a toxic waste dump in the Washington township. So that there were ties between Colby, who is, again, the CTO of Evil Corps, and this toxic waste dump. Apparently, the danger of this dump was uh, kept secret as there were links of exposure to the waste and leukemia. Angela and Elliot leave in a rush. Angela, like, says that her mum basically also got sick. Doesn't explain how and just kind of leaves. 
and leaves Ollie in the building and everything just kind of goes after Elliot and it flashes back to Elliot's mum calling his dad a coward and weak when he's at the bus stop um which kind of gives us insight into how how he viewed his dad I guess from how he was conditioned to when he Mm. was younger but you do get this feeling that you're not getting the full picture because it's just so like choppy and again they're just not making the effort to really like give you baby steps in this they're not holding your hand through this they're just giving you information and you have to kind of just I guess figure it out which interesting but does get a bit confusing to be fair then we're back to Wellick Wellick uh, has sex with this guy that we then find out, like you say, was tied to Ivacor and he actually was the secretary of the CEO. He then puts some, he tells him to get in the shower and then he, he puts some kind of bug or SIM card or something in the guy's phone while he's in the shower. He does some kind of coding stuff. Again, don't mm. understand what that was, but to me, he hacked his phone. Am I close? Yeah, <laughs> It was one that I looked into as well. That one's entirely authentic. The only thing I've seen here is authentic Android backdoor. He went into recovery mode and installed system apps. So I'm guessing it was a legitimate thing you can do. Okay. So like he installed some sort of app that allowed, I guess, a trace. I'm not too sure exactly what, like off the top of my head, I can't remember what comes of that bit, but he's placed some, some, sort of trace on the phone for some purpose and i yeah i still don't know what that purpose is either because i don't remember seeing anything that leads back to that but maybe maybe as we go over it i will i don't know mm. i don't remember it though then we go to angela getting home says that she couldn't actually find elliot and then ollie breaks down shows angela what he's being blackmailed with Angela discovers that the hacker has her and her dad's banking information, dad's social security, as I mentioned. Angela says that they should break up and infect all safe system as per the hacker's instructions because she just can't risk it. Um, then we break away from that. Gideon has a, still has a bee in his bonnet about that toxic waste dump. Since that came up, he's now like, wait, what? why? He, he's, you can see his wheels are spinning again. Mm. Even though he he said to Elliot before that he was sorry for doubting him and he was, he'd let that server thing go. But with that news, he's like, no, nah, something doesn't make sense here. Then we go to Wellick, man. This guy's weird. So Tyrell gets home. <laughs> <laughs> we realise that his wife is also uh, interesting and she's very pregnant and she is lying on the bed, blindfolded, waiting for him. And instructs him to tie her up with the red one in particular. Uh, So he goes and gets the red ties and he ties her arms up. And then she says feet as well and ties her feet up. And then says that basically she wants a ball gag in her mouth. And he's like, are you sure in your condition? And she's like, yep. And he's like, okay, but only for a little bit. And honestly, pregnant BDSM was just not what I expected to see in that moment. I just really didn't. I was he's very a, he's like a man okay. of, he's a man full of surprises that Tyrell. Very very full of surprises. Thankfully, we cut away to Elliot going back <laughs> to the <laughs> going back to the arcade where F Society usually meets, and just like that, F Society is back, and that's the end of episode three. I feel like we get so much information, mm. but it doesn't feel over the top like we know so much about the characters now in just those three episodes but yeah. also it feels like it's been going on for longer if that makes sense it's 
every scene has a purpose. There's no like middling kind of scene that's just there to be artistic or it's just no. there for like to be in play for laughs. Everything has like a purpose that it's building towards. Like you you learn stuff about the characters with each little kind of interaction that you're seeing. Yeah. Something to point out as well, right? So Ollie and Angela both work at like a cybersecurity company. Mm. And Ollie just goes and heads and puts a random CD he got into his own home computer. Honestly. Like, it makes without, like, sense. no malware software clearly either on that computer. No. Also, like, just... one thing that really pissed me off was that, which again, we'll talk about it in a bit, but Ollie went to put the um, CD in his work computer. And really? Because I just worked at a newspaper and you couldn't just put in anything, like even USBs mm. and stuff, into your, your work computer. You couldn't just put it, like, because of data protection and that kind of stuff. Obviously, that's the other way. So that works the other way in terms of, like, getting information out of there. But still, like, at a security company, you can just put in random CDs in your work computer. And that kind of just made me think that doesn't make sense. And then I started thinking, well, maybe it's because at the time, because wasn't didn't this season come out in like twenty fifteen? Trying to think, because I was. Hang on, let me just Google just, it. I was doing my master's degree at the time, so yeah, twenty fifteen it was. Yeah. The robot season one. Yeah, twenty fifteen. I don't think Ollie is one of like the security professionals there or call a scene later on where um Gideon asks him to contact marketing so I'm assuming he's not very familiar with like the actual proper side of all safe and he's more just like the marketing side of things I don't think they really ever state what his actual position there is yeah I but don't... that guy clearly is does not know what he's doing <laughs> No, not even a little bit. He has no idea. All right, so then uh, episode... I was going to say season four then. No, episode four. Elliot is faced with his last line. So he's... He's he's going he's gonna to go cold turkey. He doesn't have a suboxone, so he has to not have morphine also. So he has to withdraw from it. We learn about uh, steel, a bit more about Steel Mountain it's a data storage facility he wants to put some kind of polyurethane in the hvac system he said a bunch of words i didn't understand but apparently it all meant hacking hacking the um the climate control system at the facility and that's how they would manipulate and get the information that they needed but they actually need to physically they're talking about this they need to physically get into the building and put something behind a thermostat or something again don't understand this um but he doesn't have his suboxone as i said so he's gonna have to start going through withdrawal he's seeing men in suits follow him again and starts yelling at them in the street saying what do you want darlene comes to the back to his place and takes him back to the arcade because he just left again it all seems very erratic and again because we're seeing it from his perspective of course it's erratic because he's being erratic Mm. right now anyway so they're back at the arcade and 
no they don't take him before she takes him back she actually notices evidence of like drug use on him (laughs) and says that he looks like shit so then they're back at the arcade and f society says that they have to rethink their plan because of evil corpse new security protocols that are coming into effect in three days elliot says no i'll go in myself i can do this and one of the team basically says look i know a junkie when i see one and i just don't trust you basically there's a point where elliot kind of says to us intentions are irrelevant they don't drive us daemons do at first i thought he said demons and then i remembered that you get the little mailer demon thingy which is spelt daemon d-a-e-m-o-n i still don't know what that means but then i was like oh no he did say daemon because he says it again later do you know what a daemon is i think it's like um like a command kind of thing I believe um so it'd be if you were like setting up um i'm gonna google it instead of pretending i actually know what i'm talking about <laughs> i'm literally <laughs> just googling it now as well because i'm like why didn't i do this earlier because i don't know what I runs as a ba- it's a background process so it's like something happening in the background that it's basically under direct like rather than under direct control interactive interactive yeah so it's like a back it's like a background program for like multitasking okay. essentially so it's doing all the background kind of stuff Okay. Kind of makes sense. See, you've told me that and I'm reading it too and still over my head. Don't understand. But sure. Okay. Well, I mean, no, it does make sense because if it is a background process, if it is something that's multitasking and and, and is working alongside whatever you're doing on the computer, then yeah, it is what's going to yeah. drive us if he's um, looking at it from that way. As for the uh, thermometer thing, their plan is basically their they need to put what's called like a Raspberry Pi, which is like a it's like a computer system that's like a lot of people use it for their like learning to code because you can kind of make anything of it. It's a real it's a real I don't know exactly what it is. I think it's like a CPU or something, but it's mm. what's it's it called? A, a Raspberry like, Pi. Yeah, Raspberry Pi, but it's Pi like PI. Okay. Um, and they're going to use that to like slowly raise the temperature to destroy any like the back the tape backups for the facility as opposed to oh. destroying the facility because Elliot doesn't want to destroy the facility that makes a lot of sense okay cool that was helpful <laughs> okay <laughs> um, so they're now in the car the male members of F Society are in the car Elliot throws up in the car as his withdrawal basically goes into full effect then we cut away from that scene we go to angela and ollie's place angela tries to sneak the cd and says that she's meeting her dad for brunch at this point you can't tell whether she's actually took the cd or not at least from memory it didn't look like you couldn't see whether she managed to get the cd out or not Mm -hmm. with the malware she then goes looking for elliot she goes to his place but runs into shayla ends up going on a walk with Shayla and Elliot's dog Flipper, the dog that, remember, he stole. So again, cuts away. Then the two male hackers from F Society are babysitting Elliot as he's now going through withdrawal. He's sweaty and gross. While Darlene and Trenton, two women, take matters into their own hands and are going trying to figure out a way of tracking down or getting the help of the Dark Army. 
I think this is the first mention that we have of the Dark Army. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, we don't really know what that means, but we know that they somehow need their help or their involvement. We cut back to Shayla and Angela, and Shayla gives Angela drugs. Oh, no, this is the point where they say ecstasy, no clarity. So yeah. I don't know what Shayla and um, and Elliot took in episode one. No, I, I remember. I think I remember it being Molly, because I remember being sat on his chair, and like, it's the tone she says it with. Okay. Um, I just remember like her saying, like, do you want to try some Molly or something like that? Fair. Okay, well, this time around, Shayla is giving Angela ecstasy, but says, nope, it's clarity. Again, then we're back to where Elliot's with clearly going through serious withdrawal at this point. The male hackers that are babysitting him, they they leave after arguing briefly with Mr. Robot. Elliot begs uh, Mr. Robot to just let him get some drugs because he just can't take the symptoms anymore. So they end up going to a trap house. Uh, Mr. Robot's basically holding Elliot up as they go into this weird looking trap house. Not that any trap houses don't look weird, but you know what I mean? And he ends up taking heroin because, of course, they don't have morphine pills. Morphine pills, however you say it. Someone then comes into the the trap house and starts shooting up the place. Elliot then gets shot. And as he's lying on the ground, an F-Society video starts playing on the TV. Elliot then also appears on the TV and is given a key and a mask by the the main masked guy it then cuts to this weird random ad then it cuts to elliot waking up to a destroyed or walking up to a destroyed house sorry and he sees error 404 not found on a printed bit bit of paper that's been stuck to a tree um, a little girl turns up and she's humming Farah jacka comes up to him she's on a scooter and asks about his monster picks up a key off the ground and hands it to him saying that, you know, I think you dropped this and then leaves. She's humming for Jacko as she goes and then he joins in on the humming. Then it cuts to him entering a room with a fish, um, the fish that he has in his place, the black fish talking to him. It then cuts to dinner with Angela. Angela's now eating the fish, um, tries to feed it to him as well, which is super <laughs> weird. He then looks over while he's in this restaurant with Angela. He looks over and sees his his younger self younger Elliot being force fed by his mum the waiter brings over a pie to him he bites into it he chews something really hard pulls it out and it's a key again as he pulls out this key Angela says yes yes I do like she's been proposed to with the key as the ring I I don't know Uh, then it cuts to Angela in a wedding dress she then says that he was only born a month ago which doesn't make sense until much later (laughs) it made absolutely no sense and that he's afraid of his monster. She then says that it's like, you're not Elliot, you're... And then it cuts to darkness, creepy kids laughing, cut to being in an arcade, cut to a very, very sweaty Elliot waking up in the bed, clearly having insane withdrawal symptoms, crying that he's alone. Mr. Robot says that he's not going anywhere. So clearly all of that was a fever dream. But it was it was so erratic in the way that it was done that, it, of course, it was a fever dream. But for a while, you do start to think, is he going through some of this stuff? Because it wouldn't surprise you with the way that it, they cut it to became things. basically Twin Peaks for about 20 minutes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It was mad. Absolutely mad. I genuinely believe he'd been shot. I the, the one key thing I remember about the whole scene is how amazing like the long take is from like outside the, the trap house to like all the way inside like it's all just one shot yes 
Yeah, no, it was it was shot beautifully. It was it was a great episode, really great episode. Mm. It's not over yet mm-hmm. though. Darlene and Trenton get in a limo with some guys in masks. Darlene says, "No, this is going to take me to my contacts for the Dark Army." The guys in the mask, they're speaking some kind of language that sounds like possibly Mandarin, Chinese Mandarin, and they get rid of their phones. They grab their phones off them chuck it out or chuck them out the window and they drive off we cut to angela and shayla again angela's out partying with shayla ignoring ollie's calls she's like super down on herself she's clearly high strung shayla makes out with her briefly and then gives her a bit of a pep talk in the mirror and then again cut away from that <laughs> the guy that darlene was looking for ends up being the cd guy who's been blackmailing ollie it turns out it's her ex and his name is cisco we then cut away to Elia and he's made it to the other side of his withdrawal. The male hackers are back. Clearly them leaving might have been part of the fever dream because they're still there. Angela goes in to work super early and puts in the malware CD and then makes it out. And that's the end of episode four. What One thing I realised, well, two things I really love about the episode is... Um... Obviously, that long take that we said about mm. uh, Angela uses Ollie's work computer to do the CD bit. Yeah, but we don't know that. Do we not? We don't know that in episode did. four. No. Okay, then he does. She doesn't do that. <laughs> no, but I know um, what you mean. But that isn't. It's not shared with us yet. We don't know that. Also, we think that she's using her own. But also, that whole on reflection, as someone who's seen the whole show, that hallucination scene. Mm sets up a lot of stuff like not like for, for even the final season like it sets up a lot of little kind of things that come back into play like that's how like that's how dense they go with this show like in terms of like they're full with planning they like, they started this show with all four seasons in mind and when you watched it all you see it as one whole package like you realize just because it's one thing that's always bothered me with some shows where you can tell they're writing it season at a time, which makes sense. You don't know if you're going to get a new series, do you, Halftime in America? No. But then you can kind of, some things get brought up for like, and never mentioned before and never hinted at before. And you're like, okay, well, where was this this whole time? And that, that's something that's always bothered me. Like this show does, like just everything is set up. Everything has a purpose. It really does. That's what made it like... So when I was making notes to talk about it on the on the episode, or on, on the podcast, it's like I couldn't... I just couldn't leave things out. Like, because it, it was important. Everything was important. There was no filler. There was no, you know, inconsequential thing that happened. It was... It, it all just ties into absolutely everything. And I, could, I just found myself taking all of these notes thinking okay maybe i'm be, i'm going to be able once i've seen the whole season to go back and take shit out so that i don't have to go over it mm-hmm. but it's like you can't everything was everything was tied in everything was relevant it's um, been eye opening for me because i haven't watched season one since i finished season four which would have been like 2019 i think i took the time to watch to like finish that all off and yeah looking at stuff now i can see a lot of things that are like it's so so such rich foreshadowing in there like i can see this things that happen that i'm like oh this is that bit but i can't say anything because you haven't seen anything (laughs) true um all right so then we get into episode five honestly i can't believe i'm only halfway through the season and we've already been going this long this might have to be a two-part one that's fine i mean there's 10 episodes yeah 
Yeah. It might we might have to stop at five and then do the other <laughs> half because otherwise this is going to be a four hour episode, <laughs> which is great. Still be here at like midnight discussing everything. <laughs> still breaking down each of these bloody episodes. Alright, so Episode five. Oh, I loved this episode. This was mm. so good. So it opens up in prison with our good friend, Fernando. Not our good friend. He's crazy. He's the supplier, if you all remember, if you're all keeping up with us. And it's a scene with Fernando, his brother Isaac and his lawyer, who tells him that there is a large amount of evidence that was provided through an anonymous tip. The fact that it's an anonymous tip seems to strike a chord with Fernando and it seems like he's figured out that it was Elliot. Mm. I still don't understand how he figured that out, but he did. He's um, a really intelligent guy. Like, that's the thing. Like, as much of he, as he's, like, a complete dirtbag. Yeah. I say he's an intelligent guy. Like, obviously, you see the thing about his Twitter feed and how he sets up, like, the deals and everything. It's so obvious. Like, he's he's still quite switched on he can read people really well he doesn't have like the technical know-how but he can read people very well mm. yeah and he was very impressed with elliot wasn't he he was mm. very impressed that not just that elliot wasn't scared of him but just impressed with elliot in general when they met Plus, that time. it happening so soon after the whole thing of like like elliot knew that something bad had happened to shayla and obviously he's going to discover something bad happened to shayla yeah. when he was in that apartment with with uh with fernando so like he he figured out then I think he figured out from knowing that like where his morality was mm. of Elliot that he he knew Elliot would be the kind of person to do that once he discovered what he'd done. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is how that's probably what was going on in his mind, and that's how he figured that out. So then we see that F Society, the members of F Society, are in a cafe. Mister Robot steals an ID from somebody that stood in the queue, bumps into him. And then the guys break into the uh, the data storage facility known as Steel Mountain. They they break onto the grounds, but obviously they still need to get into the building, into the right level. So they fake a Wikipedia page with Elliot's picture claiming that he is a tech billionaire. And they basically finesse a tour of the building. It starts off rocky, <laughs> but he manages to actually do the tour with oh poor bill with bill the sales guy but i'll tell you why poor bill in a minute because we cut away to angela who is breaking up with ollie and in this scene reveals that she actually used his id to get into the building and used his computer to install the malware cd then she leaves uh, that thing that i foreshadowed about 10 minutes ago <laughs> yeah um yeah so uh so on the tour so elliot's now been taken on the tour by the sales advisor guy uh called bill <laughs> i feel so bad with him. um elliot has to basically get rid of him he has to get rid of him and get a like his supervisor because he needs to be able to get onto level two he's currently only getting a tour of level one because that's the only access that this sales guy has so he basically has to get rid of him there's no other way other than to basically hurt his feelings and he says some super hurtful things that's who you are that's what you are you're nothing to anyone to everyone think about it bill because if you do if you let yourself 
you know I'm telling you the truth. So instead of wasting any more of my time, I need you to go call someone that matters. Because Bill, you don't. And that's why Bill Harper is a perfect exploit. Desperate enough for the business to break protocol and let me in. Because, oh my God, he says really hurtful things. And I just, oh, poor Bill. That's <laughs> so Bill bad for him. Uh, it, like, it's, it's one of those things as well that, like, later on, you kind of understand where Elliot was able to muster this from. Yes. And it's it's honestly just such an awful tearing down of someone. But the whole like I felt bad for how giddy I was when it was happening. It was such excellent writing, but I'm also like, no, not Bill. Oh, it was horrific because obviously Elliot hacks everyone. We know Elliot hacks everyone, so he's mm. used real shit like about him being lonely and him just having a cat and like, oh, it was honestly a tear down. <laughs> what Bill was about to like bawl his eyes out in front of him anyway so he ends up calling the supervisor we realize we get taken through flashbacks and we realize that the reason um they want the supervisor is again because they need access to level two what they're going to do is the supervisor that should be coming is called wendy and wendy has a pregnant wife and so what they're going to do is they're going to fake that her wendy's pregnant wife is in the hospital in labor and so she's going to need to run away quickly and that will give elliot the opportunity to do what he needs to do while he's on level two but it's not Wendy that comes out. It is a different supervisor. And they're trying to hack in the car. The other the other F Society hackers are trying to hack in the car, trying to find shit about her, but she doesn't really have a social footprint. And, he, you know, Elliot's really shit on his feet, to be fair. Like, he's trying to get a tour of level two and it's not part of the rules. He can't finesse it in any way and basically starts escorting Elliot out. So they get to the lifts and the hackers managed to spoof a text from her husband and it's basically insinuating that he's ill. They say, oh, I'm, I'm just at the hospital and they've confirmed it's what we thought which obviously scares the shit out of the supervisor. And she goes, just, you know, go go down to reception and they'll see you out. And then she walks off while he's getting onto the lift. The hackers in, you know, the little earbud in Elliot's ear tell him, get out the lift, get out the lift, because there's a palm like reader thingy and so they're not he's only going to be able to go down which means he'll lose complete access he gets out they direct him to uh some stairway or something that he can then sneak up to level two and once he gets there he runs into wellick dun 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 then we cut to shayla shayla's got a cute little waitressing job i'm sure there were some easter eggs in there but i really wasn't paying attention at that point to be honest i think i've just been focusing too much then we go back to steel mountain elliot says that they are doing a routine data process check as part of his like his employer all safe and that's why they're there at the data storage facility they are going to lunch and somehow elliot thinks quick on his feet after all that shit i just talked and finesses a lunch in the executive lounge which is on level two he then makes an excuse to go to the bathroom and he somehow... Did you understand that bit? What did he find in like the little cupboard thing in the bathroom? Because I don't know how he found a thing that he could connect to because it didn't look like what he needed. Did I'm you understand not, that bit? I, I don't 100% know. I think it might just be that like it's the kind of place that has like those kind of smart thermometers maybe. Ah, uh, okay. 
Okay. I'm, I'm not too sure. I didn't really, like, that was one of those bits where I kind of just let it happen. I didn't really think too much on that. Yeah, I, I didn't really get it. And I was just like, all right, well, he's found something that he can kind of put this chip thing in and, you know, he did something to the wires and a whole bunch of shit I didn't understand. But, you know, that's fine. Anyway, so as he's doing that, he manages to get it in and Wellick comes into the bathroom and goes for a wee and tells him that he knows that he set Colby up, but he's not going to turn him in. Then we see that Angela went to stay with her dad. So they're originally from Jersey. So she's gone back to Jersey to stay with her dad. Then we cut to the creepiest couple ever, as I'm now calling them, Wellick and his wife. <laughs> Honestly, they just really disturbed me. They're just very disturbing people. I, mean, I think they're, they're supposed pa- to be... power couple, but for like the wrong reasons. They look like... Oh, I'm going to say what they look like because one of them does do the thing that they look like and we'll talk about it later. <laughs> but <laughs> they just look scary is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, so they're waiting in a car to meet with a couple. We don't know who the couple is. And we get even more of an inkling at this point that she's really the one that's in control and she's quite dastardly. Then we cut away. Darlene uh, confronts Cisco, remember, the CD guy, her ex, about the Dark Army backing out. Cisco reveals that they were out before they even got to Steel Mountain. So just because they've had a win there doesn't mean that, you know, they were going to get help from the Dark Army, but he doesn't know why. I still don't understand why they need the Dark Army at this point. I didn't get it till much later. When I say much later, I'm talking like episode 10. (laughs) The end. I had no idea why they needed um, the Dark Army. But yeah, so I was confused. Darlene loses her shit, screaming in a library. Just fantastic. Uh, Then we cut back to Wellicks. The Wellicks are now at dinner with a couple. We find out that the reason for the dinner is that Wellick wants to position himself as the right-hand man to the guy. Uh, And the guy happens to be the candidate for CTO of Evil Corp. So this this is the person that basically has been shortlisted for the role that he wants. Later on, they're kind of chilling, relaxing, talking to the each other's partner or whatever. And uh, Wellick effectively creeps out the guy's wife, who we later know as Sarah, Sarah Knowles, and says something like, how do you not want to just shoot yourself or something to get away from him? Some kind of weird line like that. And she's just like, what? Uh, anyway, she gets up and goes to the loo. He follows her, walks into the bathroom while she's peeing, and just stares at her and like, again, creep, creepy, creepy guy. Stares at her as she's peeing. She then opens her legs. <laughs> I was just like, wait, 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 what is about to happen? He then just thanks her for a lovely evening and leaves. Weird. Yeah, I think part of that is, um, obviously, I, I think with, like, Scott Knowles is meant to be, like, quite a boring person, I think. Like, he's going to be the CTO he's got kind of no excitement to his life it's quite a humdrum life and I think as a way of trying to because obviously he wants to like get this guy out of the way doesn't he so he can be the CTO Mm. so I think he's trying like he's making I think they're both making their attempts at seducing the other partner to see who can get like the furthest on it because they're like Tyrell's wife obviously wants him to achieve this goal like she's like fully behind him helping him Mm. on it and she, like I think part of him saying like oh how do you not put a gun to your head is kind of trying to like plant a seed of god don't you want some excitement in your life don't you want something more exciting than this don't you want more than this 
And then obviously that scene then kind of affirms, yes, she does. And he's like, that seed has like grown into something. It's, yeah. it's all just a power dynamic with like him, him and his wife are just a walking power dynamic kind of thing. Very true. In the creepiest of ways. Mm. Oh yeah, um, it's it's it makes me so uncomfortable <laughs> every time. Like I just remember like shuddering a little bit whenever it was their scene. So I was just a bit like, oh okay, I don't like it. Anyway, thankfully, cut away from that mess and we go to the arcade and Darlene tells Mr. Robot that they've lost China and uh, tries to move forward without the Dark Army. So I think this is the start when I started to realise that the Dark Army and the China Data Centre were one and the same. I think until this point, I just mm. didn't realise that's what was going on. I just could be because I'm just thick. But Mr. Robot stops her from moving forward, saying that it would have no effect as doing that will only take down their servers for a month. Mr. Robot says that the revolution would be gone as they'd never have another opportunity to do it right because, you know, Evil Core will just tighten up the security once they get back up and running. Mr. Robot then asks if anyone else in the room can communicate with her and walks off. Then Elliot walks over to her and she says to him, tell me it's okay to do this. And he says nothing to her, but basically saying no without saying no. Mm. And then ends up giving the team like a little bit of a pep talk, like they're going to bounce back from this, they're going to be able to see this through and tells Darlene that she can come and stay with him. So I think there we kind of understand he's really the one in charge. Like if you didn't know by now, they're just spelling it out to you. They're saying, listen, Elliot's the one that makes the decisions, even if Elliot doesn't know it. It's 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 like playing a good cop, bad cop routine. Yes, exactly. I didn't know the difference. I was six. My mother screamed at me for the mess, but he wasn't mad. He said that billions of years ago, the world shifting and oceans moving brought that sand to that spot on the beach, and then I took it away. Every day, he said, we changed the world, which is a nice thought until I think about how many days and lifetimes I would need to bring a shoe full of sand home until there is no beach, until it made a difference to anyone. Every day, we changed the world. But to change the world in a way that means anything, that takes more time than most people have. It never happens all at once. It's slow. It's methodical. It's exhausting. We don't all have the stomach for it. Then we cut to Angela at her dad's place and she finds a bunch of letters from Evil Corp Insurance at her dad's place um, and then ends up going for a run. I didn't understand what that was about until uh, the next episode, but it turns out, it's not really a big spoiler, it turns out that he's in a bunch of debt. That's basically what that was. I think I missed something as I was watching it. Yeah, it's Um, based off of um, the mother's medical bills. Right. Oh, okay. That makes sense. (laughs) Yes, of course. That's why it would be the insurance. Okay. That makes sense. Then we cut back to Elliot. Elliot comes home to find a phone on the ground and Fernando is on the other end of the phone saying that the universe has brought him to him despite being locked away. The universe aligns perfectly and that is the end of episode five. I love that episode. The only one I loved more was episode six, which we're going to talk about on a second uh, part of episode this, six, because... incredible, but yeah, 
episode six honestly was just masterful but i love this one because of the way it was written i think i love the whole show because of the way it's written but for some reason i just really enjoyed the writing in this episode but yeah episode six is by far my favorite so what we're gonna do is we're gonna stop here we're gonna stop here because this has gone on longer than i thought it would (laughs) but we'll pick this back up I think what I'm going to do is instead of doing every other Wednesday, so when I put this out, I'm going to put the next one out the following week. So it's not two weeks in between. So it's just, yeah, pick it back up and we'll do episode six to episode 10. So in the meantime, is there anything that you would like like to promote to our listeners? Is there anything that you want to push or let people Um, know about? I guess real, well... Uh, main one would be that I do graphic design on the side. So if you go to Instagram and search for Nayfunk, N-A-Y-F-U-N-K, you'll find my design Insta. If you want anything done, just give me a message on there. Nice. Because I never promo myself very often. I always forget to do that whenever I do things. (laughs) Um, And I will be putting Nathan's Instagram handle in the description as well. So feel free to find it there. Um, as far as me, tune in to What's Politicking You Off. Mike Lambs, Bits and Bobs and Nordine and I go live on the Sarcasm City YouTube channel at three o'clock every other Saturday to run all things politics. Also tune in to the Talk About It Network live special at the end of every month. So I think by the time this comes out, it's probably going to be this week. Yes, this Friday. Should be this Friday this week um (laughs) so tune in to uh, the talk about it network live special where we will wrap up the hottest news and viral stories on the interwebs while getting pissed and this is also on the sarcasm city youtube channel check out my twitter linda ishapoopy to see what else i'm involved in and make sure that you follow at pod of mercy on twitter and instagram please rate the podcast on itunes i would really appreciate it and normally i would say see you in two weeks but i will see you next week for the rest of season one of Mr. Robot. Bye. Yes.